1: running back injuries from the Sunday Night thriller get our attention on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone, welcome into Fantasy Football in 15. It is Tuesday, October 27th. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR week seven I think it was the best week so far of the season now fully behind us we start turn the page over
2: to week eight how you doing this morning doing really well it's hard to say that any week can live up to the one that we just went through but I'm optimistic cautiously optimistic that week eight can be a lot of fun too
1: yeah, I think so also. this is, uh, We know we're going to get a handful of weeks like we just got uh, during the season. This one uh, looked like it was going to be great from the outset, and it definitely did not disappoint with a couple of games that totally lived up to the billing, a couple of games that surprised us with how exciting that they were, Detroit-Atlanta, Cleveland-Cincinnati among them, and just a really fun week. One of those games that did live up to the billing, the Sunday night thriller between the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and that's where we're going to start this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, because both Starting running backs in that game are nursing injuries. We will start on Arizona's side. Kenyon Drake is going to miss a few weeks. A quote coming from Adam Schefter on Monday evening. He has a slight tear Of a ligament in his ankle. So Chase Edmonds steps right into that lead back role for the Cardinals. Had five carries for 58 yards in the win over the Seahawks, seven targets, caught them all, 87 yards. Let's start with Chase Edmonds here. Derek, expectations for him going forward, the team's next four weeks, they actually have a bye in week eight, then they are home for Miami, home for Buffalo and at Seattle for the return matchup between these two teams. I think we're looking at Chase Edmonds as a low-end one, absolute worst, a high-end RB2 if he's handling 70% or so of this backfield work.
2: Yeah, I think the comp in terms of waiver wire interest might be where we were at with Mike Davis after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. I mean, I think the drop from McCaffrey to Davis skills-wise is – much bigger than the drop from Drake to Edmonds, which might not might even, might be even be, be that much drop. of a drop at all. <laughs> so I just think when you when you look at the way Edmonds was used in the Sunday night game against Seattle, he can be a three-down back. You know, Eno Benjamin might get some touches, but ultimately I could see Edmonds being the kind of guy who has a four or five catch floor to go with 15-plus carries every week. So you're talking about 20 touches in a pretty good offense, and one where Kyler Murray, you know, he's— Played well in some aspects, but still looks like a second-year quarterback in a lot of others. I think dumping the ball off to a running back is a good way for him to avoid making some mistakes. So I think that's part of where my interest comes from as well. I'm with you. I think he's kind of a a low-end RB1 for the time that Kenyon Drake is out. And I think it might create some really unusual or difficult decisions to make once Kenyon Drake is healthy again. But we can cross that bridge when we come to it.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was already getting the line share of the work out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, he had the 7-on-7 seven seven for 87, and it's not like Kenyon Drake left this game early, right? It's not like uh, Edmonds did all of this damage post the Drake injury. He did plenty of damage post-Drake injury, but he was still doing it while Drake was in there couple of weeks ago, 56 yards uh, through the air, he has one, two, three, four games this season with at least five targets. And again, those are games with Kenyon Drake fully healthy and active. So I think we do look at four or five catches as probably a weekly four floor for Chase Edmonds going forward and just going to be someone who is really, really uh, interesting in fantasy leagues. You obviously should be owned, should be rostered in most leagues already, but anywhere where he is sitting out there, this is easily... Your number one waiver target of the week. You know, Benjamin, perhaps worth a flyer in deep half PPR or full PPR leagues, but really his role in the fantasy world is more going to be fly in the ointment for Chase Edmonds rather than real meaningful contributor. On the other side, we have Carlos Hyde, or excuse me, Chris Carson. Carlos Hyde stepping in. Chris Carson suffering the injury, uh, being called week-to-week with a mid-foot sprain. Anytime a team puts a week-to-week tag on a player as the initial announcement, we can be pretty sure he's going to miss at least one, maybe two games. It all depends, of course, on the recovery, but pretty safe to say that at the very least, Carlos Hyde will be out for the Seahawks. Oh my God, I did it again. Chris Carson will be out for the Seahawks game against the 49ers in week eight. Carlos Hyde, finally, I get to talk about him. He steps into the breach and starts for the Seattle Seahawks. Look pretty good, Derek, in relief of Chris Carson. This was an injury that did happen early in the game, so you basically had Carlos Hyde in a starter's role for the entirety of the loss to the Cardinals in Week 7. 15 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. What this says to me, Derek, if you just look at that usage and the way that that game flowed, he also got four targets in it, didn't do any damage as a receiver, but 15 carries, four targets, in a game where uh, Seattle put up 34 points, says to me that he might not be as good as Chris Carson, but they're going to use him like he is Chris Carson.
2: Yeah, I mean, unless Rashad Penny gets healthy before Chris Carson does, I think this is an opportunity for Hyde to have a larger role than expected. Maybe we see a little bit of DJ Dallas in some situations. Travis Homer got dinged up on Sunday night as well. So, you know, if you're looking at Edmonds versus Hyde, I think Edmonds is the more dynamic back and there's a little, so far. little less competition for some of those other touches than there is in Arizona. So I, I think that's why I've got Edmonds pretty far ahead of Hyde in some shallow leagues where Edmonds might still be out there. But Hyde is still worth picking up, even if he's a short-term addition. Uh, you look at the matchups here the next couple of weeks. you got Buffalo coming up on the schedule. I'll get San Francisco in Week 8, Buffalo in mm-hmm. Week 9, the Rams in Week 10. Uh, not a great matchup in Week 8 for Hyde, but good enough. I mean, he's probably going to be better than Gio yeah. Bernard and Boston Scott and some of the guys that we were jamming into lineups for last week so I think he's worth picking up pretty much across the board given the way we expect the Seahawks to use Carlos Hyde.
1: Yeah I totally agree and if he does get two starts you're looking at a really nice matchup against a Buffalo team that uh, has been a sieve against uh, rushing offenses this season so you will be very happy to have him in your lineup in week nine and we'll see what the deal is with Chris Carson of course uh, obviously the moment he comes back Carlos Hyde Recedes back into the uh, you know the the darker regions of that backfield, and someone who uh, really doesn't have much of a role. In the fantasy world, I think uh, Chase Edmonds easily in every single way is the better play than Carlos Hyde on the waiver wire this week. But uh, it, it's certainly a good one. If you need to go shopping at the running back position, you are going to have some options available to you on the waiver wire with these injuries to Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson, and a few other situations also uh, that will be confronting you on the waiver wire for week eight.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: Let's stick at the running back position here, Derek. A couple of quick updates. First, Christian McCaffrey is a long shot to play on Thursday. Short week for the Panthers. A quick turnaround, and again, this would be uh, a little bit of beating of the timetable for Christian McCaffrey if he were able to play. He was at practice on Monday, but in a non-contact jersey, so don't expect to have him available in Week 8. Same might look the, the same for uh, Philip Lindsey. In concussion protocol uh, after uh, the Broncos game in Week Seven, so maybe Melvin Gordon ends up getting the backfield back to himself once again, at least for one week. We will keep a close eye on Philip Lindsay as this week progresses. Joe Mixon missed the Bengals' loss to the Browns in Week Seven. Bengals are still calling him day to day for Week Eight. What would concern me, Derek, if I were invested in, in Joe Mixon, is that the Bengals have a buy in week 9. So you could easily have him miss this game against the Titans in week 8, get that bye in week 9 and return in week 10. And that is a game against Pittsburgh week 11. This team plays Washington, so it could be a, you know a tough road ahead for anyone who is invested in Joe Mixon.
2: Yeah, I think what is interesting is they have a few games against the NFC East looming uh, after that matchup against Pittsburgh, you got Washington, you got the Giants. Uh, one against Miami, and then you go and see Dallas. So the schedule is kind of favorable as we get closer Mm -hmm. to the fantasy playoffs, and if Joe Mixon could completely shake off this injury, maybe the best way for him to do that is to, in fact, sit out again in Week 8, take the bye, and be fully healed going into Week 10. He could be in line for a nice stretch run once he hits that easy part of the schedule.
1: Yeah, if uh, if I'm in a league where I am, you know, six and one after this week, five and two, and the person who has Joe Mixon is two and five, three and four, feeling the heat and feeling they can't go two more games without someone who was their first or second round pick, I would go inquire and see what he might be gettable for because uh, that playoff schedule is looking very juicy for Joe Mixon and really this entire Cincinnati offense and the way we were seeing him used in the passing game. Very intriguing with the way this passing game is playing. Giovanni Bernard did a very good role as a pass catcher, stepping in for for Joe Mixon as the starter in Week 7. All that could come together for Joe Mixon. So if you are in a good spot in your league standings and the Joe Mixon manager is in a bad spot, this is a good time to check in on him. You can take on that short-term loss knowing what you could be getting as a payoff in Week 12 And beyond that, Cincinnati schedule looking very favorable for everyone in the offense. Mark Ingram, uncertain for week eight. Ravens coming off a bye in week seven. Go back to week six. Mark Ingram suffered an ankle injury. Ravens still aren't sure if they will have him available. That could change uh, the fortunes for J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards as well in week eight. So we'll be keeping a close eye. On Mark Ingram's practice participation. We'll throw in one note on a non-running back here. Jamison Crowder being further evaluated. Was a surprise uh, to show up on the uh, injury report late last week. With a groin injury. And quickly was downgraded from questionable to doubtful to out uh, before we really were able to even wrap our heads around the fact that maybe he wasn't going to be available. So this is an undermanned Jets team who is going up against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City in Week 8, a line that opened at 20-and-a-half, and I just can't see anyone having the confidence to bet on the Jets even if they're getting three touchdowns, especially if Jameson Crowder, one of the few playmakers on that team, is out for this game. And one more Burning Back note to hit on here before we wrap things up. It is in San Francisco, Derek one of the toughest situations to figure out in the fantasy world. Let's rewind, what, 48 hours or so. We're going into this game against uh, the uh, the Patriots for the 49ers. We've got both Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert on IR. We think it's going to be a Jarek McKinnon, Michael Hasty game. Ends up being a Jeff Wilson game, 112 yards and three touchdowns for Jeff Wilson. And then he leaves the game with an ankle injury. He is not going to be able to play against Seattle in Week 8. Raheem Mostert's still on IR. There is a chance that Jarek McKinnon gets, at, uh, or excuse me, Tevin Coleman gets activated and comes back from IR this week. We know Jamichael is going to be out there. He had nine carries for 57 yards. Jarek McKinnon got a pseudo bye week Kyle Shanahan came out and said on Monday, oh no, we planned this all along. We were going to give Jarek basically uh, the week off here after the heavy workload he's had to start the season. But he's going to be back in the mix. Expect him to have a larger role. Uh, let's say that you have... Uh, maybe you know this is the way to put it. If all three are active, McKinnon, Hasty, and they bring Tevin Coleman back, how would you rank them in a vacuum for this Week 8 matchup with the Seahawks?
2: Just for Week 8? I think I would go McKinnon 1, Coleman 2, Hasty 3 if Coleman plays. And I'm trying not to read too much into Jarek McKinnon basically getting an extra bye week in the schedule from Kyle Shanahan. That sort of sounds like what they were doing anyway. Uh, So I'm looking at this and saying McKinnon's probably the lead back. Coleman is going to be eased back in as long as he's healthy. And if Coleman can't be eased back in, then it's a McKinnon Hasty sort of timeshare. So I think Hasty needs Coleman to be unavailable to be startable in very deep leagues in week eight.
1: Yeah, we are on the same page with McKinnon. I buy into the fact that they gave him the extra buy they gave him the extra bye week, and you know, he's a guy who's had injuries. He had doesn't as good as he has been for the team, as good as he has been filling in where they've needed him. Clearly doesn't have the burst or the uh, the the missability that he had when he was in Minnesota. Uh, so I'll buy into that and I'll buy into him having a larger role this week. I would actually feel better about Hasty than Coleman just because we've seen some pretty decent runs from Hasty over the last two weeks. 18 carries in the previous two games for this team, 94 yards. So yeah, I'm not ready to just totally write Hasty out of the game plan Just yet, but it's one where I really wouldn't feel good about anyone outside of McKinnon and even McKinnon. Like if you could, if I, if I were starting Jarek McKinnon in week eight and you told me before the game, Look, we'll give you uh, 11 points in a half PPR. league. You can take it or you can roll the dice and hope he does better, even 10 points. We'll give you double-digit points, half PPR. I would say, yeah, I'll take that instead of rolling the dice. So it's just a, a situation where I believe it's going to work out for the 49ers because we've seen this from Kyle Shanahan in multiple stops in multiple years. But I don't think it's necessarily going to work out for fantasy owners. And really, the only clarity we have in this backfield is that when Raheem Mostert is healthy, it belongs to him. When he is not healthy, it's a total jumbled mess. So, uh, approach this backfield at your own risk in Week 8. That is going to wrap things up here on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be right back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.